God radically changed my family's life before I was born. I always grew up, I always said, the last thing I'm ever going to be is a preacher. We're going to speak about life, we're going to speak about leadership, and we're going to speak about the Lord's work. And each episode of this podcast, we're going to try to tackle, discuss, dig into one thing that will help us not just start right, but finish right. Hey everybody, this is Pastor CT, and I'm here with Travis and Jared, and um, we appreciate you tuning in to this One Thing podcast, Life, Leadership, and the Lord's Work, One Thing at a Time. We're just discussing and digesting uh, the things about life and leadership and the Lord's work or ministry, One Thing at a Time, and we hope that it's been a blessing to you so far. I hope these uh, podcasts, whether you're watching it on YouTube or wherever you're listening from, uh, our, I guess our, our prayer and our hope is that it's adding value to your life and that, that it's helping you with, with some things we've said to maybe navigate through life or leadership or the Lord's work. And so uh, we talked about friendship this morning, and we came back, and we're going to do another one today, and I appreciate you all being in town for this. Absolutely. Uh, to talk about evangelism. Oh, yeah. Uh, in 2023, um, one, of the, one of the biggest requests we've got people emailing in is, is about evangelism. Um, but before we dive into that, let's let's kill some uh, light stuff. Uh, who are we rooting for in football? Mm. Man, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Raised in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a mix in South Georgia, but I got to hold true, and uh, I'm a Gator man. He's a Gator man. Yep. Does it's rough you? right does now. That, does but... that cause you some flack being in Georgia and not rooting for Georgia? <laughs> When you get out of South Georgia, it does for sure. North Georgia, even up Middle Georgia, yeah. I mean everything's bulldog. But yeah. down there, it's it's fifty fifty. Even into Florida, there's still like Jacksonville area, North Florida area. There's a lot of bulldog fans mm-hmm. even there. Yeah. So I guess I know over. what you are. Oh yes. Yeah. So the only football team, really, the only, we have no pro sports in West Virginia. So even if I would move tomorrow, I still am a diehard Mountaineer fan. Yeah. WVU. Well, if if any team was playing against West Virginia, I would root for West Virginia. Sure. That's, it's in my blood. But I guess traveling, I, I have lived down south now as long, if not longer, than I lived in West Virginia. Ain't which that is something? Which so weird to me. Um, so I, I lived here for a long time, and Augusta is split between South Carolina Gamecocks to our east and then the Georgia Bulldogs. Right to our west and then we went to Asheville and then to Anderson for a while so Tucker grew up in school and all of his friends were Clemson Tiger fans right and that was like at the top of their dynasty right when they were mm-hmm. winning everything oh yeah so I ain't gonna lie it was cool to be in that town you go to a restaurant the player, players would be there and so there is a fondness to watching Clemson uh, but if Clemson played West Virginia I would still root for West Virginia right but now that I'm here Uh-oh. there are very few Clemson fans uh oh and there are, it's really split between Carolina Gamecocks and Georgia Bulldogs, and I really don't have an axe to grind with it. Like I, you're you know, not joining one or the other. But but if I do the, know if the pastor of Victory did join one, would the people of Victory say, he cannot say give him when flack. I first listen when if I first, you picked one today, would they give you flack oh, on yes. Sunday? When I first started pastoring, I stayed away from the Gamecocks and the Bulldogs by just saying I like Clemson, West Virginia. Yeah. And when we do events and stuff, I would put a Clemson Tigers tent mm-hmm. up, you know. 
Um, but I will say the vast majority of this church are Georgia Bulldog fans. Yeah. And I have found myself praying at times, Lord, please let the Bulldogs win because if they lose this game, church is going to mm. be terrible tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? that's but right. what's funny is your sound guy is a huge yeah. Carolina fan. And I've been in church before and him hit the rooster crowing uh-huh. button up he's got, there he's in the got sound a button board. in the sound booth. And oh, anytime yeah. somebody talks about it, if they mention Bulldogs, he'll hit the rooster sound. They just, you know, <laughs> um, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, which one of y'all think is the best hunter? Well, now I don't think we want to give anybody else that. I would say I'm not even in the topic because, man, I've killed one deer in the past six years. Like I lost dove full fledged in the coon hunting. Yeah, I lost. I lost my deer hunting. No, this year I I wanted to. I had full desire to go out and just wreak habit, you know, tag out deal, and first sit there in the stand. You know, here comes a pile of deer, and I'm like, I'm waiting on the big one. You know, just that old blood just rose up in me again. So I'm not a trigger happy guy. I'd Did rather you sit and wait. At all this year? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get to go one time in South Carolina because of my schedule. The week I was home and planned on going, I was either rained out or a few last minute deal. This was my favorite turkey season of all up. time. Killed yeah. two. I killed two in uh, Kentucky. South Carolina was on fire turkey season. Yeah, I I will say this. Outside, I mean, I do enjoy what the Lord allows me to do. I do. It, a hobby. I guess it's a hobby, but I really love hunting. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is something that I could do all the time. You remember when we was kids and we went squirrel hunting behind that church? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, oh, and he yes. was at, listen, he was a dear friend of ours. Vince Buttons was his name. Mm-hmm. And he gave us permission to hunt. There were so many squirrels on this hill hillside behind this church in Pinch, West Virginia. Pinch, West Virginia. And uh, we drove up there, got up there before daylight, and we got up on that mountaintop. And man, it was like a squirrel carnival. I mean, they was <laughs> everywhere, j- jumping from limb to limb. Oh, and man, yeah. we were like, pow, pow, pow. Well, we was chasing them squirrels all over the place to where we quit looking down and we was just, you know, and I'll never forget, I shot a squirrel and we heard somebody start yelling at us. And we had been so far back in the woods, we got near to a subdivision, like a community. Oh, man. And we were raining down pellets on these people's houses. And some dude ran out of his house Saturday morning, 8 a.m., you know, yelling at us, get out of here, you're hitting our house, yada, yada, yada. So we took off running, trying to hide. And little did we know that preacher Vince Buttons was hunting too. And we're in this, like where an old tree had fell down and created this little thing. We're down there hiding from the dude that's yelling at us, only to turn around and Vince Buttons and one of his deacons like, hey, boys, what y'all doing? (laughs) Yeah. He had his gun, you know, big old man. Oh yeah. And we were like, we, we ain't doing nothing. We, 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 y'all shoot that guy's house? No, no, sir, no, no. We didn't. No, no, no. no. You know, yeah. we, um, and later on in life, uh, I went back and said, hey, God's convicted me about this. We we did actually hit that house, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to lie to you. We were scared to death, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. some of the some of the best memories. I know we do turkey hunts and deer hunts. You know, Jonathan McNeese and different guys. Um, you know, when I met John Anderson, he. He never hunted at all. He was a big golfer, and he said, Amen. "If you'll learn how to golf, I'll learn how. To I'll, I'll start turkey hunting with you." Yeah. And now I'm hooked to golf, and he's hooked to turkey hunting. Yeah. So uh, I do find it to be a good release, uh, a good a good way to get away. And I've always enjoyed the great outdoors and getting out there with God's creation. So. Oh yeah. I guess that ties into evangelism, you know, because you go 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 go. And you got you have to have something to unplug. Absolutely. 
and uh, clear your mind. Um, I know, like at the peak of me and evangelism, when I started like going, 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 five, six, seven weeks at a time, you know, and I started having anxiety attacks and started struggling. You know, that's one thing my doctor said, you got to find a hobby. Like you've got to a release. Yeah. You got to have a light at the end of the tunnel. You got to be able to have a place to release. And um, so whether it's fly fishing in West Virginia, which we're doing in a couple right, of weeks, right, 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 or whether we're turkey hunting in Tennessee with all the guys, or whether we're deer hunting in Kentucky, right. you know, I've, I've always enjoyed it. And if you're somebody that is watching or listening, and and have a trout stream behind your house, or or, <laughs> or if you or if you <laughs> hate pond. if you hate hunting, just find turn, turn this podcast off. And if you're somebody that has a lot of land or a big farm that you would need Amen. deer taken off the, or, or turkeys taken off, um, the church number is 803-278-2138. <laughs> I would love. Give a call. Yeah, or have uh, a nuisance to, problem. I would love to minister Coons. to your family yeah. and help in that way, right? Absolutely. That's uh, right. Info at cttownsend.com. Just send me an address and we'll come check it out. We're always looking for put, land. Put a plug in here, too. We talked about hunting being our release, and there's other things. Some go to the gym. Some yeah. go to the gym as they're released. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be wise, someone that watches this, and, and maybe you are going, going, going. You need to find something. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about hunting, just to kind of break the ice, but you mm-hmm. probably need to find something in your life that does yeah. help you release and ha- helps you unwind and right. helps you de-stress. Yeah, some guys, just I like mean, simple have. as building. Some guys love carpentry work. Some guys love mechanic yeah. uh, body Some guys work. like to read. Right, literally. Yeah, sure. I know several preachers. They don't have outdoor type of hobbies. They love reading. Okay, then take a couple of days and take your family up the mountains and take five books with you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what What is the old saying? The preacher you say you got to come apart. You got to come apart before you fall, fall apart. apart. Hey. Hey. But it's so true. It literally is so true. And it took years of traveling before I, before really I probably ever got there to that yeah. point. Well, the, the danger is you eventually keep pouring until there's nothing left. And then you just start going through the routine. And you don't know how low that tank's getting yeah. until you, it's too late. And you're preaching the same stuff, and yeah. it's got old to you, and it's old to them. And and um, there. it's it's hard to be creative in chaos. Mm-hmm. And when it's just go, 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 and there's never a time to refill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think also... Um, for evangelism, you know, you stay booked, but I, and we'll get into this. I don't want to get ahead of the car, get ahead of the, but I think staying attached to your local church mm-hmm. and to your pastor is, is, is vital there, um, to stay grounded. But, but I yeah. think it kind of leads us really yeah. into the first question, which yeah. I'll ask is, is so, so we're talking about what, you know, we need to remember what we're even doing. Like, what's the goal? What's the purpose? So first question for you two I have is, what's the primary purpose? Like, what is the goal? What is the purpose for the role of the evangelist, well, the specifically? Defined, an evangelist is the proclaimer of the gospel, you know? And just as earlier the podcast about friends, where the terminology, the, the, the defining of friend is misconstrued, I think in 2023 the terminology for an evangelist gets misconstrued. Mm. I think sometimes nowadays anybody who is not a pastor right. labels themselves as an evangelist. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with that. Right. You know, like I, 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 Steve Hurt, my father-in-law, he always taught us in Bible college. People would say, how, how, do, 
how do I know if I'm an evangelist? And Steve Hurt said, well, evangelism is really simple. Your phone is ringing or right. it's not. You know <laughs> sure. what I mean? He still it, says that. Evangelism is not me working this phone. Hey, right. can I come preach for you? Can I come preach for you? Amen. Can I, you know, like my dad taught me, you know, when I was all growing up, especially after I started preaching, that God will direct those paths. Amen. You know what I mean? And you don't want to create doors and walk through those doors. Yeah. You know, I, I have right. never one time in my life picked that phone up and, and hey, can I come? You know, I've had people say, if you're passing through, call me. Sure. I've done that. And there's a difference. But, I, but you know. Yes. Uh, so an evangelist is, is a proclaimer of the gospel to preach the gospel. First, Second Timothy 4, 5, do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. Uh, biblically, Ephesians 4, 11 says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So we know biblically there is an office of an evangelist. Um, and and. So I think it does us good to define what that is and to, to, to biblically, you know, to challenge the believer, to encourage fellow pastors, go where God puts you. Um, you know, it, it, it does have the formalism of, of, of traveling to different places. You know, Paul on his missionary journeys went, went all over the place, mm -hmm. you know, spreading the gospel. And all of us today are a result of him traveling. Sure and preaching the gospel to those corners of the world. And um, so we would call them missionary journeys, but there's also evangelistic natures of that. Um, you know, Jared, you've, you've talked about, we know different men that are quote unquote evangelistic, that some of them seems like their primary purpose is encouraging saints where they very rarely ever give a gospel mm -hmm. message yeah. or a gospel invitation. And and there's not a large harvest of sinners saved. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. There's a need for that. There's been many meetings that I've preached in in my life where by Monday night I realized this is not going to be a crusade. Right. This is not even going to be an exciting revival. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like it's dry in here. Mm-hmm. And so I would set my sail to, number one, be faithful to the Word of God. And number two, if my three, four, five days here accomplish nothing but encouraging that pastor and his Absolutely. wife and, and, and maybe encouraging them in such a way where they can walk another mile, I leave with yep. feeling like I succeeded. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so there, there are men that it seems like their gift is exhortation or uh, encouragement in those areas and and there's also men that we've seen that do have the gift of evangelism or evangelistic nature mm -hmm. evangelizing to, to where no matter what yeah. text they really preach from it's going to end up at calvary right and there's going to be this you know a draw, strong draw um and i think we celebrate all of it and understand god right. uses different people and different giftings um but you know that that would be my yeah and, and with with that, Jared, too, let me let me ask you just a same question, but a little bit different angle, because we we was talking about you know what the evangelism he had mentioned, uh, well, Brother Steve Hurt did, but 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 Pastor CT had mentioned, you know, your phone's ringing or it's not, mm -hmm. so God opens doors, mm -hmm. right? God opens doors, closes doors. So, as a new guy, right, wanting to be an evangelist or or whatever, if God is doing that in his life, it looks like God has enough control to do that in a person's life. Speak on the availability of a young man 
or or we call it faithfulness in the church mm-hmm. world. But but the availability, where does he need to be? Like for with that phone calling, go where God puts you, right? Mm-hmm. So God's in charge of the things behind the scene. Mm-hmm. I I think it'd be important maybe for a young guy or for somebody because I get texts like this even all the time, believe it or not, and asking asking what do I do? What's the first step? Speak on that availability or or what what should a young guy that's just trying to serve God, how does he operate in the early season of ministry? You want my uh, first thought, or do you want my biblical answer to that? Yeah, both. <laughs> both. I'm sure they're both good. Okay. So I surrendered to preach at 19, October 5th. And, man, when I was in that altar, it was like the spirit of Billy Kelly, Billy Graham, <laughs> <laughs> Billy Sunday. We'll just stay with Billy's. Uh, yeah. But all of those great preachers, I was like, man, I just got all of their mantles. I'm fixing to go save the world. Uh-huh. You know, we sure. all felt that way when we finally surrendered. We've been running for so long. Or maybe y'all didn't, but I did. Sure. Uh, but I mean, like, I come up ready. Let's do it. Let's go get somebody saved. If that'll let me preach, them people that's been holding on, uh-huh. yeah. I'll get them saved. Them ones that's been causing Everybody's trouble. going to love me. I'm, they either going to get yeah. right or get out when I'm done with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is what I found out. I surrendered to preach, and it was like, okay, first thing you're actually going to do is sit on that pew and be quiet for about a year. Yeah. And you ain't going to say nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, but I got something to say. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and if you want to see the biblical application of that, you'll find it in one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. When God called Elijah, the man that can call fire from heaven, the man that literally is fixing to resurrect a dead child, a man that's going to cast his mantle on another young man, him do twice the miracles that Elijah ever did. First thing God ever does for him is calls him to a brook cherith and separates him and gets him alone so God can feed him and fill him. Yeah. And and so even at the Brook Cherith, God put him there. God sent him there. Like God be where God puts you. Yes. That's where he stayed until God made the call. Mm-hmm. So even in Elijah's life, he was just available. Yeah. He was hanging out by the brook. Whether he liked it or not, still God's man. God gave him everything he needed for his ministry at that brook. And without the separation, without God's supply at that place he would have never been able to send him. Uh, so what we have to pay attention to, even now, 13 years later in ministry, uh, and whether or not you're 13 or 20 years or two weeks surrendered to preach, you have to understand that sometimes God takes us back to the brook mm-hmm. so we can be refilled and, you know, get what we were talking about, you know. Um, but it's that small step with God and the willingness to go somewhere you might not want to go. Yeah. And yeah. and sometimes I even, you know, I've preached it too. God supplied all Elijah's need. He used them ravens to feed him there. Well, think about it in this aspect too. Uh, Lord, is this where I'm really supposed to be because the blackbirds are the one that's bringing me food? Yeah, who wants I'm to out eat here a piece all, of flesh that a bird just dropped out yeah, of his mouth? I'm all, I'm yeah, I'm all alone over here on the backside of the River Jordan. This ain't no fun. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. But if you want to kneel down in front of 450 prophets of Baal in just a little while and prove the true God of Israel, <laughs> you better be willing to go get along with I'm him. With yeah. A call to it. preach is a call to prepare. And I think, you know, when God, look, God calling me to preach was as strong of an event in my life and memory oh, no. 
as salvation was. Yeah, you remember it the oh, same. Absolutely. Remember it the same. No Look doubt. here. Listen. Yeah. I mean, hair stand up on just think like God and I did ask him to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't I don't want to get walk around guessing. You know, I tell people I've doubted my salvation before. I ain't never doubted God calling me free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Not I've heard one many, time. many preachers yeah. have yeah. heard them say that. Um and so I think uh the call to preach, like I know God called me to preach. I, I do not remember a time where God said, I want you to go into evangelism. You know, like <laughs> there was never a, it was doors opening. That's right. Right? Yes. Like uh, I remember when I went to preach Brown, I said, preach, I need you to pray for me. You know, I just really feel like God's calling me into evangelism. And preacher Brown, he didn't like it. Uh, you know, everybody came out of here, went and started churches. Preacher was big on church planning. And uh, I remember thinking, I've got to go to Charleston, or I got to go to Columbia and start a church, or you know, because that's what everybody had done. Mm-hmm. And so I was really the first one. That, and I said, "Preacher, I really feel like God's called me to evangelism." He said, "Son, you're gonna starve to death. You know that. You know yada yada. yada and it, you know you're not good at it. Yada yada yada." yada. He, you know, he was not concerned how you felt about it. He was gonna tell you what he thought. And. Um, you know, and I, man, it was such a hard situation because I, you know, I respect my man of God and in his opinion. You know, it was years later. We were in a meeting together somewhere preaching. He put his hand on my leg. He said, I just want you to know that you'll never understand how proud I am of you. He said, back in the day when I told you, he said, I just didn't want to lose you. He said, I loved you and Becky being in the church. Yeah. And uh, he said, that was my fault, not yours. Yeah. You know, so God opening those doors, you know, and we got to move on here, but yeah. I, th- I think, you've got to go where God puts you and that that whole calling and the opportunity is not going to start off and, and you know you're going to pay your dues yeah. you're not going to start out preaching 75 meetings a year no <laughs> you know <laughs> when I started out by faith preacher Brown did he said okay he said you start mm-hmm. he said and when you're gone that's fine he said and when you're not booked you come back here and work I was back to absolutely this church I was I vacuumed these carpets where I pastor today. I cleaned the toilets. Mm-hmm. You know, I have at one point in time in my life vacuumed every square inch of this entire auditorium, mm-hmm. served here happily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, I'm, you know, Preacher Brown many times, you, you want to preach behind the pulpit? I'd love to. But he was a, a stickler. We'll, we'll go preach in the jails on Sunday mm-hmm. and go preach in the you know nursing home of the rescue mission. And he pushed us out constantly to learn to preach. He said, you're not going to learn to preach in the lights. You learn to preach. Yeah. And so we were faithful in the small things, you know, and, and other things, you know, it was by faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would look at my calendar at March, and I might have had one or two things booked. <laughs> but I would get to the end of March looking back, and it was, mirac- you know, some, so, and then it, it starts, you know, you'd preach here, and you'd preach there, and you'd meet this guy, and you'd meet that guy, and God would start connecting the dots, um, you know, and, and, and you don't ever get past that, mm-hmm. you know. And if there's one thing I could challenge you, Travis, you're starting out in this. And, you know, I don't ever get to the place where you overlook the smaller church and think, well, I would rather have the bigger church. Number one, I have found that that smaller church will take care, better care of your family. You'll build better relationships there, mm-hmm. whereas the big church will make it feel like that it's a blessing to you that they let you come there. Yep. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and so the, the, the heart of America are those little churches all across America. 
that there's faithful pastors in there that have just been preaching for years. And, and so God opens those doors, and we don't ever need to get past or, or get over right. the people that helped us. Yeah. You know, t- today I'm in a quandary because the church is growing. My dad's sick. I'm in a different season of life. Everybody in my circle is saying, you got to slow down. But my fear is I don't want any of those pastors that took care of my family and loved my family when I was full-time on the road to think, well, CT feels like he has arrived and, and he doesn't yeah, want to come. Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind, you know, I never called a preacher to ask if I could come. Right. I never set a price, you know, well, I'll come for this much money. Still don't. And I think that's a self-inflicted thought. I don't think anybody ever thinks that. Yeah, you know. but – um, so that, you know, evangelism is, is the proclaimer of the gospel. And I think we must be faithful to that. And no matter what I'm preaching or where I'm preaching, by the end of it, I want to wrap up at the cross We somewhere. made it to Calvary. Sure. And I, I, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. gospel. You know? Yeah. Yes, I may tell a story to engage them. Yes, I may be funny yes i may you know but but at the end of it i want every single one of those to circle back around end at the cross and give somebody a chance because i believe that when a building's full of people god can save anybody anywhere anytime Mm -hmm. and i don't want to go to heaven with that blood on my hands that i did not give them an opportunity sure to come to christ dragging that when when you are doing the work of an evangelist for younger guys, and I hate even saying stuff like this because I feel like I am the young guy. Remember who you are and where you're at. Mm-hmm. You're not that pastor yeah. of that church. Right. It is not my job, and I'll just say me for references because I don't want to point my finger at you two or anybody else. It's not my job to show up at a church one week out of the year and think that I'm fixing to fix them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who sure. am I? Yeah. Yeah. To think I figured this congregation out in Sunday morning, Sunday night, and come in there Monday night and rip them apart, yeah, and tell them all to get right with God, and preacher needs to do that, and pastor needs to do that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Now, if you'll go in and preach the word of God expositorily, mm-hmm. preach it the way God is contextually. The Bible, can, the Bible can cut. It will preach, and if it needs to be given, I've preached on certain things before and somebody going to be like brother Jared, you got on my toes tonight and i'm thinking how yeah, <laughs> you know what i mean god did yeah. the word well the, the, the ephesians 4 11 and he gave yeah some yeah when i give you something what's that called it's a gift it's a gift that's mm-hmm. a gift and so I, an evangelist is a gift to the local church yes and i don't think a, an evangelist should be a bomb Mm-mm. to the local church no right no right i don't think the evangelist should be a whipping post nope. for the local church i have never felt like when I get called or given an opportunity to go serve at a church or a pastor, that it's my job to go fix everything. Mm-hmm. We're now, not, we're not shearing the sheep. Let's agree That's right. that I preach in so many different churches and many different kinds of churches that there are places I go and, man, I would not be doing that or I would not be doing this or, you know, look, I'm not the pastor of that church. Mm. You know, I That's have to right. give an account for what I do in that time frame I'm there. And, mm. and that's to preach the gospel. So many rabbits. Don't run the rabbits. Let's move <laughs> hey, on. Let's, let's go to the next on. one, okay? okay. Um, what is the biggest challenge traveling throughout your year? What's your big, whether it's in ministry, home, family? All sure. That. 
what let's do you rapid feel fire. Like let's do shorter versions of this and let's get through these. So okay. Sure. I believe I believe the hardest part for for me, of course. Now there's a difference between starting out, you know, and then being established later on. Starting out, I've noticed one of the hardest parts is is when you we talked about some struggling things. Remembering the small beginnings, mm-hmm. you know, when I started in evangelism, I was working odd jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I would paint a house, I would paint a house and then go preach. I would come home and paint until I got another meeting. Those were hard times, mm-hmm. you know. Those were hard times going with, uh, uh, you know, no without, you know, and you, you, you insurance and all those things starting out. That was a challenge to, to okay, God, am I, am I preaching or am I painting, and just staying whatever God you have for me, I'll just stay here. Am I called or am I crazy? And then, and then as you <laughs> yeah. tra- at, right as you travel, and I've noticed even God was the one that blessed me with the paint appointments too. But but right, anyway, sure. when you travel, I think the hardest part for me being older. So I, so I'm 41, I've got three kids, uh, and a wife, um, and started evangelism in my late 30s. You know, so I had a full life already ahead of me. One of my hardest times traveling is just being without. A lot of times you you know like April's springs are super busy. There'll be days there where there's some days where. You know, the, you haven't seen the family in a while. You know, you're gone three, four days, home two, and then stuff. So sometimes the traveling, just the being away part sometimes can be a challenge, trying to raise kids. When they're young, it's a little bit easier. As they get older, they want to ride motorcycles. They want to, We homeschool. So there's a lot of things there that require attention. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to try to have a balance, balance to where you're still dad, taking care of those things, still husband, and still the gift to the church. Yep. In a nutshell, that's the hardest part for me. I think family, I think balance um, is by far the, you know, I, I keep having conversations with the office, you know, how much is too much. Now, you know, my kids are in school now and they don't get to travel with me near as much. So over the years, the biggest balance for me is I don't want to try to win the world and lose my family, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so trying to balance that and really, you know, we were at a huge crossroads when, when God sent us here to pastor this church because Tucker, you know, we tried the whole homeschooling thing at our house. It didn't work. Me and Becky was either going to kill each other or the kids. Mm -hmm. And we thought so that we don't go to jail. We need to send these kids to school. Mm -hmm. And so we sent Tucker at the time in Anderson to brother Steve's school there at Temple. And uh, me and Becky were traveling. We found ourselves, man, we, we were only home like five days a month, you know. So we were like, we're going to live our life without Tucker. And I remember the year before we came here, we were like, what are we going to do? Like when Siler, Siler starts school next year, you know, what are we going to do? And um, and that's when the Lord opened this door. So I look back and I see the sovereignty of God in right. place. Right. That my family is more important to God than even it is to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's good. God does not want me to sacrifice my family. You know, yeah. he uh, he remembers who he ordained yes, first. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And and so, um, you know, and we I had friends when this door opened. Man, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't go. Stay in evangelism because it, it benefited sure. them, right? Sure. And and don't go. But to, to me and Becky, it was the open door. I never. Th- it, we had conversations about it, mm-hmm. but I never thought in a million years that I would really be the one to come back here and pastor. And. Probably you remember conversation I was talking where I said I wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. you know, because I so enjoyed evangelism. I mean, you know, God's opening doors everywhere and 
preaching to thousands of people and oh, yeah. you know all this stuff. He knew the right season. Um, but when this door opened, because of the challenge that we were dealt with, God gave me a situation here where I could do what I'm called to do and at the same time protect my family. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's my fear for both of you. I've talked to you both about that, mm-hmm. that, that your family's important. Uh, and I have, I have said in one breath, if I knew 10 years ago what I know about pastoring now, I would have done this earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, because I can, I feel like number one, I'm more effective when I'm preaching in a church because I kind of know what that pastor is going through somewhat mm-hmm. now. I know the pressures and at the same time, I'm fresher because I'm not traveling every day of my life you know, and I'm constantly yeah. developing new sermons for here at the church, and so I'm fresher than I used to be. Um, but at the same time, when I say I would do it earlier, that, that, that door, that wasn't, door wasn't, open. wasn't even open. I wasn't ready for that door 10 years ago. And they wasn't either here. Yeah. I mean, Preach Brown said when the Burlington Revival hit, he said, you know, he talked about how the church, he was so proud and how, that was a situation that kind of like when God elevated Moses and I was the people, that was a situation where I went from the young preacher boy that was out of here to where preacher Brown yeah. said he actually started thinking, man, I, I bet CT could do, you know, so yeah. in the, God knew in all the that. fullness of time with God's will. Um, and he gives grace through that. He gives grace through those seasons and difficulties in lives when you would wish it be this way. I think any way. evangelist would say, the balance yeah, of I life. Mean, that's and, me. And that's right. the common denominator. And and it's it's a you know, sub points for the one thing, but you know, y'all have hit enough, but I'm the same way. Balance of uh finance, family, faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you that's say shared to the statement of people that have never done it that well, you evangelists just live a full time vacation. Mm. I've often thought about yeah, as come, many. Come tell me that when it's time to pay my bills. <laughs> you know, I'm still the new guy in this. Come, t- come tell me that when the bills are due. Because yeah. that's not reality. No, I believe my hardest thing right now really is, you said finances, family, family and faith. And faith. Mm-hmm. It is finances right now. And, yeah. I, and I, I didn't want to bring bring that up, but I mean it's right. true. No. You, well, it's it's part not of a it. vacation. It's mm-hmm. not. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of begging God to 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 make a way. Mm-hmm. They said, "Well, how do you keep your wife happy when she's at home and you travel? Because we got an autistic son. You you know that. And, well, they don't. You know, so I got special needs at home. There's a lot different things in my life than some other evangelists we know." And how do you keep her happy? I said, as long as the card works when she swipes it, she's pretty happy. You know, yeah. so so it is a reality that, mm-hmm. you know, the bill's got to be paid. Mm-hmm. Shoes got to be on the kids, right? Mm-hmm. God said he'd give you shelter, clothes, mm-hmm. food. You know, those things, he's given me the ability to uh, try to provide for my family. So. I remember walking through it feeling like it was hard. But looking back now, I see miraculous. Mm. Come on. You know, like I, I, mem- I remember the days when we were like, man, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep traveling? We kept hiring other people, and people started traveling with us. And, you know, you ran with me for a while, and then you got booked up and busy, and then others were at, ran with me. And, you know, and I'm thankful for all that. But I remember, like, thinking, well, we need an RV. You know, we got babies. You know, the best of hotels are nasty. You know, mm-hmm. like you uncover stuff. So, I get it. Like we started thinking, and we started praying for like impossible. There was no way I could go buy an RV, right? right. Like it's too much money. Right. I could not even afford to maintain it, you know, and in the miraculous ways of how God, you know, on a New Year's Eve service, a church gave us, he didn't even know we'd been praying for it and got up in front of his church and said, I feel like God's led us to do, do this. That. And 
pretty much almost paid for an RV for us, you know, mm-hmm. and Tucker for the next year when we get off that bus and go to a church, he, Tucker would look at Pastor and say, you want to know where we got that bus? <laughs> said every night me and Daddy would pray for God to give us a bus and right. God, you know. Yeah. And so what looked like hard mm-hmm. in the moment, I look back with incredible fondness. Mm-hmm. That's encouragement to me. Of looking back to see how God Absolutely. built us and transitioned us. Right. And what looked like a challenge on the road, looking back, is a celebration yeah. of how God brought us through all of that. That's encouraging me because I'm there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm there in my life. Just the other day, my wife, and so everybody says, oh, they got an RV or oh, they got a bus. Well, now that I'm in it, you see mm-hmm. the family's so separated. They're in and out of hotels. Well, now they can have a home away from home, a place where they can, anyway. It was a great God's blessing, and mm-hmm. God continues. I've even got stuff on my phone I write down, mm-hmm. miracles in the past already. Sure where without God, it would have never happened. Yeah. And so that, that leads here. us to something, uh, uh, the next question. Uh, it could be funny, I don't know, but what's the craziest evangelistic experience? So I, I guess with your travels, with your preaching and all those things uh, of, your, of your journeys, your ev- evangelistic journeys, right? So you talked about Paul traveling. That's what you all do. That's what we do. So what is the craziest thing that's happened from church to the road that you can remember man i actually should have asked if i could tell a story because i don't know if it's too, too rough or not uh but th- there's a lot of them for sure um uh, i was preaching one time and uh this pastor i didn't know him he said you know let's go somewhere so we go and he takes me to a little place he's got some sheep and uh he pulls up in his his pasture and there's a donkey there and he gets his phone out and he calls this guy on the phone. He said, "Hey man," he said, "I thought I told you to get that donkey out of my pasture." He said, "That thing's been killing my sheep, which they will do, you know." And he said, "That thing's been killing my sheep." He said, "Man," he said, "I've done told you." So this is a two-way conversation. I don't hear one side. Well, I done told you. I told you what I was gonna do. Well, sure enough, this pastor gets his rifle out and takes his donkey out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, he calls him back. No, matter of fact, excuse me, he left the phone on. He said, I told you I was going to do it. You know, there he goes. And he gets the phone. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what you just heard. He's like, well, I'm on my way. He gets off the phone. He said, Brother Jared, I'm sorry. He said, we got to go take care of this. He said, it's fixing to get ugly. And uh, that guy calls him back. Man, he's raising cane on the other end. And he's like, well, how big of a boy are you? Yeah. You know, type of thing. Right. And he's like, Brother Jerry, you all right? You mind? He's like, you just stay in truck. He said, but if if I holler for you, he said, you mind getting my back? And I'm like, what have I got myself into? Yeah, Man, we pull down this dude's driveway, and I'm thinking he's going to be standing there waiting on him. And that preacher pulls over the side, and he looks at me and starts laughing his head off. And he said, man, did you really think you was in a mess? I said, absolutely I did. And turns out it was his son-in-law's donkey and the thing was poor and they had to take it out, you know. So this pastor was not riding around killing somebody's (laughs) animal, you know. That's pretty Uh, good. That was just a way of him putting it out of his misery and and putting a little uh, heart attack inside me. But I mean, People love to play pranks on us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By far the craziest. I was preaching for Jonathan in Columbus, Georgia. Mm Mm-hmm. And great week, Sunday through Wednesday, got done. I load all the sound equipment up. We load the trailer. We get in the car, and we got to drive all the way home that night. I pulled out of the church, get on the main road, and behind me, blue lights come behind me. And y'all know me. 
I'm oh, a yeah. hypochondriac, he and I'm scared, scared to death going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, I get pulled over, and I got them 10 and 2, and, you know, I, I'm like, man, I just pulled on the road. What in the world? He said, your tag's, ex you know, expired on the back, yada, 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 and he starts all this stuff, and he goes back there, and he comes back, Mr. Townsend, I need you to get out of the car, put your hands against the car, all this stuff. And I'm like, what? What in the world? Tucker's in the back, Daddy. You going to jail? You know all this stuff, and I'm like, "What in the world?" So, I mean, I've been pulled over a bunch of times, but I ain't never told me to get out of the car. Right. And uh, he said, "You know, he puts my hands against the car and frisks me down, checks, searches me. You got any guns on you? I said, so, "I mean, you can literally turn around and see the church mm -hmm. from where we were, right?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I'm embarrassed. I'm thinking, man, there's people that are watching this. You know what they think's <laughs> going on?" And uh, he said, "Mr. Townsend." Uh, when I ran your stuff, there's a warrant for your arrest in such and such place. And uh, they have told me to take you in and they'll figure it out when you get in there. And I'm like, you know, my mind's running. Did I not pay a ticket? Did I? What, <laughs> what, right, what, what am I getting in world, trouble for? Taxes overdue. I done, you know, I'm being arrested for preaching the gospel. I've made some politician <laughs> mad or what, what in the world have I done? You seem to be a martyr. Uh, you know, and the whole time I can hear that as they handcuff me and take me to the car. I can hear Tucker, Daddy, don't go. I mean, I'm I'm like mortified. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually at this meeting. And Were you there? Yeah, I was there. And in another car, I can hear Tucker crying and hollering, Daddy. <laughs> so this it's is over. this ain't made up stuff. This so is I'm real. Like, I'm in panic mode, brother. Like, and so they put me in the back of this cop car, and I'm sitting there handcuffed, and I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, what in the world <laughs> have I done? What you know? I'm trying to think, did Becky do something? I don't know, but what in the world's going on? And about 10 minutes goes by. Well, it, look, it felt like an eternity. Right. And sure. all of a sudden, the middle partition window of that cop car opens up, and there's Jonathan Meniz's face. He said, I forgot to give you your love offering. And this sheriff goes to my church. I told him to stop you so I could give you your love offering. <laughs> and find out it's all a prank all along that they had set it up. That's pretty good. And really, like, you would think I would hate Jonathan and been mad at Jonathan, but I was just so glad. That, that you wouldn't go, yeah. That it wasn't going to jail, <laughs> but that—that's yeah. by far. I awesome. hope. I hope nobody has to live that. What's the next one? Jared, oh, let's four. see here. Where are we at? That's the craziest number thing. six. Okay, so, huh? Four. four. What has been the highlight of your experience as an evangelist so far? Travis, you go first on that. You've been wow. short at it. You got any highlight you consider to be a highlight for you? Well, so that we talked about. You know, the role and purpose, really, evangelism, you know, is is to preach the gospel. You know, uh, is, there a, is there a highlight when it comes to preaching the gospel? And, uh, man, it's hard, to, it's hard to nail it down to, 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 to just one. I remember, so uh, recently we, we was in just a regular four-day meeting uh, at a church, and, and, and the Lord saw fit to extend it you know, for three weeks, and people were getting saved, and lives were getting changed, and and just just two different parts. Of, there's so many parts to that meeting uh, back in March, but uh, I remember one time they come down. You know, we was just having an altar call, and and uh, and they did another call for salvation, sang another verse, and and so a, a a a lady and her a daughter and her mom came to the altar, and they was praying, and this is when the revival. This was in the first few days, and this is when it really changed from, from just just an average normal meeting to man, God's really moving here. And so the pastor met them, 
down at the at the altar and and he said he went down there to pray with the with the teenager and and she looks up you know he said how can i help you and she looks up i'm tears all in her eyes you know and she said i need to be saved well he was so overwhelmed by this moment uh the preacher that he just lets out a pray you know woo you know glory to god and he runs down the center aisle you know leaves her at the altar of course you know his wife she's you know it's a lady she's coming to deal with her so it's not but he, he leaves her and he's just excited that like god is on the move and so that began i remember it man it was just it changed everything and even the people seeing the 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 rejoice the enjoyment in the pastor it so affected them that we was like, wow, God is doing something different here, something special here, which led us from that moment, God led us three weeks, which I'll, I'll bring us up to the very last day of those third weeks. And you guys have been in these meetings and, and of course, the, all the, you know, everything y'all done, God's been able to, you know, uh, bless. And, and so you know what it's like to be carrying on and then God start to drop it down. So we was reaching into that meeting, and then at the very last night, and uh, and we were sure God was finished and done. We was going to preach that Friday. The very last night, a new visitor had showed up to that meeting. He was a 61-year-old man, same age as when my dad passed away, 61-year-old man named Pete. Pete came for the first night. It went three weeks. It was his first night, the very last night he came. And at the very end, we did the invitation and everything, and I said, I just want to drag the net one more time. And that 60-year-old man named Pete, walked the aisle at the end of that meeting and uh and i was so i i think that was so exciting what a miracle it is for anyone to get saved but for a grown man mm -hmm. 61 Last show up night. to me that was mm -hmm. an experience i'll never forget yeah and that's that's a great aspect of it like of course man you what's the highlight the biggest thing i'm gonna run to burlington golden creek where we met oh yeah extended meetings of lord's let me preach a couple of them. Uh, one where the guy took the donkey out. You know that one got extended, and um, I think I know where that was. Yeah, another uh, close to my hometown. Before me and Jennifer was even married, I had a meeting get extended there, and those are all great. But when it comes down to it, highlights can be moments. Yeah, in yeah. A service. Sure. Uh, <laughs> we had a moment at one of the first camps in Gatlinburg, and. Uh, me and Jennifer and him and Becky, I mean, we all locked arms and got in the altar and, you know, begged God for some big things. And every now and then I'll run across that picture in my in my roll, you mm -hmm. know, I remember that on meeting. my phone. And a little moment like that is a huge highlight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I from, from that place, we've been on the mountains and in <laughs> them valleys. But I look back and I say, but God's been faithful, uh, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, just last week I was preaching at a meeting. I don't even know. The guy didn't even come talk to me afterwards. <clears throat> don't know his name. Don't know where he's from. And uh, I preached on Job that night. First time I even preached a sermon. And one of the men in the church came. They said, who was that down there praying? They said, we don't know. So we went down there and prayed with him. He said, I've been away from God. He said, I was an assistant pastor. Mm. He said, but tonight I'm coming back. <laughs> And man, hey, thank God for moments when you get to preach to yeah. a thousand or two oh, thousand. Man. Yeah. But if a guy that I don't even know sure. <laughs> said, I, I've been away for a while, but I'm coming back. Yeah. That's a highlight. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. You know, and that's worth the troubles and that's worth the trials. And 
It is. The beating gone. We had a guy, uh, we had a guy not long ago, we had a meeting and another pastor from a local place had brought his, some of his men to that meeting. We was given the invitation and a guy, I thought a guy, he was dressed, suit and tie, came with the pastor, you know, he was his ministry, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a music director. He was his uh, uh, choir director. And so he brought him, you know, they all came to the meeting. Well, during the altar call, I thought he was coming to pray with us for God to save or for God to move yeah. well he grabbed his pastor on the way him and his pastor hit the altar before I'm even done preaching that man got saved oh. I didn't know it but he grabbed his pastor to pray had him lead him to the Lord I was up on stage talking to the pastor that man walked up and said I need to talk to you I said is everything okay he said brother he said I've been in ministry my whole life he said my dad was a preacher I've tried to preach and I could never preach he said I've tried to sing and I could never sing he said I'm the choir he said I'm the music leader at our church and he said and I just got saved tonight wow. he said he said I've been trying to do it and I never had no power mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. never had the Lord wow. and man I'll never forget those things highlights are something that God gives us like little snapshots of mm-hmm. you know when I go back through you know, I, it tears me up to, to think about how good God's been. I'm 41, you're 30, 33. You know, in our, our short time, God's let us see some things that mm. some people will go their whole ministry and never see or experience. You know, and the, when I first saw the question, he's like, well, you know, Burlington or, you know, mm-hmm. looking at, well, you know. Has to be extended, has yeah, to be big. Right, right, not, right. Um, That's right. Or, you know, I remember the Friday night, you know, Kenny Baldwin was here last week, and we were talking about the, the Friday night of youth night at Burlington when mm-hmm. there was like 5,000 people there. and mm-hmm. He preached like a wild man. Oh, there was man. so much God, God in that there. place. Unbelievable. And, you know, I, I remember that picture, and, and we knew in that moment God gave us enough wisdom to know this is a moment. Mm-hmm. And we took a picture of all of us together around the pulpit, just, I mean, hundreds of people around that altar that got saved mm-hmm. that night. Um. But in all honesty and sincerity, like a highlight in my mind, I have to go to a, a Carolina rally we did at Temple. Mm-hmm. And the congregation is singing, uh, How Marvelous, How Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we're just, I mean, it's just soft and congregation music, and the whole church is singing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the choir is huge behind us, and I look over at Tucker. <laughs> and Tucker's got big old tears running down his cheeks. You know, he's at the time probably 10, 9, 10 years old. And I look over and little Tucker's got tears streaming down his eyes. And, you know, he's too young to fake it or, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, I said, son, what's wrong? And he said, daddy, ain't nothing wrong. He said, God's so good to us. Mm-hmm. He said, the Lord's here, ain't he, daddy? You know, and I. You said he is now. <laughs> you know, and I thought, my God, you know, if if I can do this and my kids see it Boys real. Boys see God. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and Siler and Everly are younger, and they're asking questions now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Everly the other night, Daddy, am I going to go to hell? You know, and just it's, those questions are starting. And, you know, if I was a hyper soul winner, I would have done – Said, repeat this prayer after me, but right. I, I, you yeah, know, I want, I want God to right. reach him, and uh, uh, so it's um, when I would think of highlights. Yes, there's the big meetings. Yes, there's the thousands of people. Yes, there's 
arise. Who would have ever thought that would go from 200 kids at a camp to almost 5,000 at, you know, Pigeon Forge? Sure. But all of those moments pale in comparison to see my own kids yeah. falling in love with Jesus and learn how to worship. You know, we we do chapel. As a matter of fact, we got to be fast because we we do chapel in here. Um, I went and preached somewhere a while back, and the pastor said, "Hey, can you come preach the chapel at our Christian school in the morning?" And Tucker jumps ahead. He said, "Y'all do chapel? Y'all do chapel?" Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, we do." Chapel. He said, well, "What's your setup?" <laughs> you know, Tucker. He's like, "How do you how, how do y'all do it?" The guy's like, well, you know, we sing and we have a preacher preach. He's like, do y'all cry? <laughs> Make sure Tucker, it's good. Tucker's like, you know, at our chapel, like dad makes sure we sing the good songs, like the same stuff we do in church, we do it in chapel. And he said, you know, and we'll start thinking about how good God is and we'll get on the altar. He said, and I'll look around. He said, and I'll find kids that ain't crying and I'll go get them to pray with me till they cry too. <laughs> <laughs> so his brain don't understand said, it all. You better get involved. But he's already in a little evangelist yeah. trying to stir yeah. little fires but in the school. You ain't going to sit there dead, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what, we may hit just real quick, but what, what is a co common criticism that y'all receive? Um, this is easy for me. It's probably my category. Uh, is people that don't understand, people that don't know us, you know, would say um, – What's the emotionalism mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, like when Burlington happened, you know, they people that don't know us, it wasn't there, would said like it was manufactured. Yeah. Uh, that we pumped it up, you know. But to that, I would say if I can do that, do it why week. didn't it happen a second time? And why don't it happen everywhere I go? Why don't we do it now? Yeah. If I had the ability to do that. Yeah, you'd be doing it every Sunday. You know what I mean? If I had the ability to manifest and three to 5,000 people every night, would I not continue to do that? Yeah. You know I what I mean? It. I get it. Um, you know, um, there are so many different worlds out there and pe the way people do things. Mm -hmm. You know, we we were trained and taught, you know, just to let God do what he does. And so that means sometimes we may worship for an hour. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to people that are rigid in their, you know, worship. Right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just what they're used to. They sing, you know, you could set a watch by what's going to happen at their church right. every week. Oh, yeah. Right, or three songs. They're, they're going to sing two songs, announcements, offering, preach, you know. To, to them, I could almost understand how they look at that and think it's charismatic or, you know. Um, and the, the danger is letting someone like that criticize you who you don't want to be them. Mm. Like I think I think for me to accept criticism, sometimes you have to value what they have or, or, or you know what right. I mean? That's not the right way to say it, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like like the, the people that would – I don't want formalism, mm -hmm. right? And right. So, you know, like, like – um, what they're criticizing is you've you've not have a desire to change anyway. Yeah, they somebody can, criticized the rise one time and said, "Man, them kids are just all up on the altars and they just stay, you know." And me and Jonathan were talking. He's like, "Isn't that what we want?" Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he said, at some point in time, we got to realize that we're we got two different goals here. Mm -hmm. You know, like yes, I want to preach to them, and yes, I want them to hear, but I also want to get them out of their comfort zones at home and away from their bad friends at home and get them here and let the Holy Ghost soften their heart and. You know, in my early days, the men that I was around, you know, the same way that music was used through David in the life of Saul, 
I've always sought the worship time, especially with young people, to be like a tenderizer where all them layers that's on the hearts of those kids, man, we sing and we worship, and it peels back those layers until the Holy Ghost, you know, gets to their heart. Yeah. So and if I got to sing an hour, mm-hmm. if I or if we sing 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Whatever we got to do to get those walls tore down. Yep. And so some people that don't understand that or have right. never been around that, right? you know, oh, they just sing forever. They just, you know, and just because we don't do what you do doesn't mean what we do is wrong. That's I right. get it. On top of that, I don't know anybody in our world because for that opinion to be validated would mean we'd have to be the biggest scam artist in the world that we want a fake church, you know. I don't know any of you or any of us that operate that that want a fake environment. No. You know what right. I mean? Or want to do, you no. know what I mean? Right. I want to follow the Lord. You know right. what I mean? And um I'm more careful about that here at church. Um because I, I there is a great importance, I believe, as a pastor that the word of God oh, goes yeah. forth. Yeah. And it's a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because man, God's moving, people's on the altar, and you almost feel like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I got to tell everybody we're going to preach now. But really, yeah, at victory. I mean, the music's so good. I mean, you could keep going every week. Yeah, you, you know could. what I mean? Like, you could. you could. So you, it's hard to really discern the difference between good and God, right? You know, yeah. um, and he 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 lets you know in that moment. And they criticize really what they don't so know. So criticism yeah. that kind of what know, they don't know. Yeah, people if they would know the inside. Justin Pratt said at Lead last year, people that know you the least talk about you the most. most yeah. That was here. That was you great. Know? And so uh most of my criticism is around music. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have I've went to great lengths to try to cover myself financially, like a, a board of directors and at the church here. I've got a finance team, finance company in Atlanta that audits the books every month and takes care of everything. And I don't, you know, with CTM or with church, like I, my, I can't write yeah. checks. I can't. I've done everything I can to, to do that. Um, I've never had any accusations with women. You know, I take Becky about everywhere I go, and everywhere, even if she's not there, I brag on the amazing wife. Right. I sure. Have. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doctrinally. I, Right down the line, Baptist doctrine, but music-wise, it's probably been music it. and worship has been yeah mm-hmm. a criticism for you yeah. yeah. I think well, any, a- if you amen. if you have yeah, amen <laughs> if you have a, a ministry at all with music, it is a fine line, mm-hmm. and you have three options: you can make them happy, or you can make them happy, or you can make him happy. Yeah. And uh, I've made my decision. Yeah. And it's not either one on the left or the right. I'm going right down the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's my most common criticism, criticism. is going to be, uh, sadly, from inside the four walls of the church. Yeah. You know, because I'm not making him happy. But I'm making him happy. But if I'm making him happy, I'm not making him happy. Yeah. Well, brother or sister, you better just hunker down and serve God because it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to upset somebody or make somebody mad if you want to be more extravagant about it. Uh, but your goal is to please God and not a man. You're serving God, not man. And God's providing for you, not man. Uh, he may use man, but it's, it's all coming from the Lord. And uh, I, I know nothing about 
my old life friends. It's like, man, we remember who you are. I, I hear those testimonies. I don't know nothing about them. I don't know anything about a family member being like, man, are you sure you into that God stuff? I've heard those testimonies, but I know nothing. All my criticism has come from that preacher over there or that preacher over there or this circle or that circle. And if you want to live a miserable life, listen to them. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll and let it tear you apart because yeah. it absolutely will. And I've done I've done I've done things that I regret. Oh, I you know have what I mean? Too. Like I there's been looking back, and I mean you've talked about this. One of my flaws is in the studio. You know, we'll we'll have a song, and I I put things in place where I, I try not to do this anymore. But you get in the studio with these amazing players, and they play it, and you're like, that's great. But that'd be so much better if you did this or if you did that. Make it louder. And man, before yeah. you know it, when you get it back, it's like, you know. Um, and so now, like, I had to go into it, but I've done things to keep myself because I know that about me. Yeah. Because I, you, know, you when, when it comes to music, you got to know your crowd mm-hmm. and and what it is, and and you also got to, you know, the whole thing about drums or no drums. You know, I've heard the arguments, but it's like they are. Can you the Bible, show? Though. Can you show me in that Bible where, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to do it right. And I want to be biblical, but I also don't want to be confined to somebody's opinion or preference. Yeah, is it glorifying? Is it edifying? Yeah, yeah. and once you really get over their opinions and you get into like victory, like that stuff doesn't matter here. Right. You know, people are just like. That's I think that's church. the key with the question about the evangelism because you guys you're traveling to so many different places. Changes every week. Oh yeah, so we would go to these every some week. places and these places, and they could not use a set of drums or a soundtrack, but they could sing a contemporary song, right, with just piano, right, yeah. and everybody's fine with it. Yeah. Whereas here, I can use drums on anything, but if I would sing that contemporary song, I'd be labeled and marked as a. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like Amish communities where there's one priest has a different thing over here. I mean, yeah. it literally is. Yeah. Right. Like anybody, let's let's sit down and not attack each other, but have an intellectual conversation about this. And we would have to come down to the fact that it's tribalism and preferential. Yeah. Sure. Now, you know, I, I do not want my music to sound like a rock concert. You know, I, uh, I want to be in the middle. I, I don't, there are other places that are doing the contemporary stuff. I, I don't, I don't want to be that, but I don't want to be over here either. I want to have freedom to follow the Lord, and if a song has God on it and the words are right. doctrinal and, and it's not biblically wrong, you know, uh, the song Goodness of God, we had people when we did that arise, man, y'all shouldn't do that, you know. And, and we don't sing that at our church. Yeah, yeah. It's just the decision that was made. Mm-hmm. And the next church I go to next week, they're going to sing it. Yeah. And I enjoy it. I've sang it. Well, I mean, you have a conversation about that. Like, we looked at it like, well, let's look at these words. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, like, And yet I respect my pastor's decision. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, man, I wish we were singing that. Yeah. That'd be perfect right here, but we can't sing it. No, I respect it all. I've. You have to learn in evangelism. You have to learn how to respect each of those men's mm-hmm. convictions, preference, yeah. whatever you want. And it arise, like we, we, you know, arise. I, I do not want arise to be controversial. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've even talked about Arise this year. You know, we want the the music to be right down the line. Yeah, right down the line. And um, so there you go. Well, hey, uh, let's we let's pr- move into this because you're already on it. All right. You're talking about differences traveling and then difference 
of what happens here. That's true. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what's the biggest difference now preaching? You've already kind of covered the music side, but preaching on the road versus here at Victory, pastoring. Um, I think when I'm on the road now, I find myself sliding into a place where I'm – times can be more pastoral like mm-hmm. because I, I know what I do here and I know what people are going through and I find myself – relating to that in other churches mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I've had pastors say that I'm more helpful to that since I've started pastoring mm-hmm. but at the same time it's kind of funny and interesting to me like when we do the tent crusade in Somerton you know I, I, I feel like under the tent Get there's just a, there's an atmosphere mm-hmm. where people from the church here go hear me there and they're like who was that guy yeah you know what I mean like what what gear was that <laughs> <laughs> uh you know uh, Becky calls it my tent boy. I don't know what it is. You just sure. just a special anointing. Well, and I think here probably right. You're probably more focused on the longevity of the member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like with the tent meeting, it goes a week, two weeks. God bless whatever. But but you know you got two weeks with those people. Well, when you stand behind victory, this is not a two week thing. Mm-hmm. Like like this is not even a two year thing. This is a like you're thinking what I'm giving my members right. What I'm giving them is eternal. Like mm-hmm. as long as God lets them live and join here. I am pouring into their Christian life forever. In this pulpit, we're on the stage right now. In this pulpit, I'm building. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Growth. At at the Crusades, I am reaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do some of that here too. Sure. You know, but I, I, I would feel like those are the, probably the, the differences in, in the evangelist and the pastor. That's what I was going to ask you specifically Sunday morning. And I'm sure there are times, whether it's a. Uh, Holy Ghost audible in a sermon or whether it's that's where the Lord's been leading you all week. But do you predominantly see yourself more preaching evangelistically Sunday mornings? Mm, there was a time when I started that I probably would have, but God has taught me in this that it don't matter if I'm in Genesis, mm-hmm. Exodus, or John, Jonah, or John. John, or Revelation. His word goes His out. word is mm-hmm. powerful enough yeah. I agree. that you preach that word and it's amazing to me that I can preach a sermon to Christians only mm-hmm. about marriage or about, you know, and somebody gets saved. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. You know, so it's preach it's his, the word. It's his word. It's not my stories. It's not my charisma. It's not my passion, education. It's not passion. You know, um, it is the word of God that can. Yeah. Seed in someone's heart. And I'm with that. Uh, well, let's let, with this last question. What advice uh, we've been talking about evangelism, specifically this cast? So, what is the advice that you would give someone who's following the God, the call of God in evangelism? Now, and and not just because uh, we did kind of touch on the new, you know, someone mm-hmm. new. What about someone that's been doing it for a long time? What about someone who is older? What about you know? So, what advice would you give an evangelist at this point in time? Just would, just any advice at all. I'll go first, and then y'all can answer or say amen, whatever you want. Uh, I'm getting hungry when they eat, right? Uh, right, amen. But, amen. Um, it's real simple. Like, I've always looked at life and ministry like an umbrella. That God has, I'm a big guy on spiritual authority. I believe in it. I, you know, that there's an umbrella. And uh, if, if, so let me say this. If I had a regret... If I had a regret as a young evangelist, I would not have labeled or branded my ministry as CT Townsend Ministries. 
right? Because there's, well, it's all about him. It's his name. And I understand why they say that. But there ain't one desire in my heart for that to be, you know I mean? that. Yeah. When I started off, I didn't know what to do. You know, one of my mentors was Ralph Sexton, and he had Ralph Sexton Ministries. So what did I do? You know, there was Greg Lentz and Greg Lentz Ministries. So what did I do? C.T. Townsend. C.T. Townsend Ministries. I didn't, I didn't I mean, what do I, salt and light ministry? I didn't know. You know, it wasn't like, you know, right. so people will take that and try to make, you know, but it's never been that. It, it's not about me. Um, so that that would be a regret. But but in that, and I, and I said that because sometimes a, a C.T. Townsend Ministries sounds like it's not local church, right? That they're, yeah. they're doing their own thing. Yeah, that's where you're going. But I believe, I'm a local church guy, and I believe every evangelist, every ministry person should be under the umbrella, under the auspices of a local New Testament Bible-believing church. You know, right after Burlington, there's some guys. That CT don't even tithe, you know, which was great. I rejoice. Pastor, could you please produce a statement that proves my faithful? You know what I mean? So I'm not a rogue agent. Right. You know, I'm, I'm op, I have, whether it was under my dad or under Larry Brown or under Ralph Sexton or under Steve Hurt, I've always had a pastor and submitted myself to right. that local church. Sure. And I've always, since I was a kid, I've been a tither, right? And to be under the umbrella of that local church, under the authority of that pastor, um, is, a, is a huge deal. Because yeah. I, I believe when you get out of the umbrella of that, I mean, God knows what he's doing. There are winds and adversity that you can't handle outside of the umbrella. I've always looked at, like, the wind of the world coming, and that pastor was holding that umbrella. And as long as I stayed behind him, you know, I was shielded from yeah. the, the winds of this world. And if I want to step out on my own and go rogue and try to create a door for myself, I can. But you're on that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've always felt there's great blessings from operating under the headship and the umbrella that God has for your life. I mean, speaking of that, me and you was at a meeting together. And uh, we was hanging out. The meeting was over. A guy had come up to talk to us, mainly you, but I was there with you. And uh, so he came up and talked to you. He was kind of introducing himself, kind of wanting to give the business card and all those things. And and tell you who he was. I, he was kind of evangelist, sung some, he had a guitar. And, and so he was wanting, a, you know, wanting a, a start or wanting some help or wanting some meetings, you know. And uh, it was all said and done. And, and when it was all over, I thought, we just, me and you talked about it. I said, so what, what do you think? And he would ask him, one of the questions was, what church you go to? Like one of the questions, CTA, I was there. He said, you know, who's your pastor? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't really have one right You know, I'm kind of kind of doing my own thing like you just talked about like right. he said well what what church you go to and he's like well you know i'm kind of in between you know the guy didn't go to church the guy didn't have a pastor but he's wanting to be he's a traveler so so he's when it was all said and done it was over i said so what do you think and and ct and you looked at me and you said no i'm weary of that i said mm -hmm. what he said no any any guy that doesn't have a pastor or a local church is not under that he said i'm weary of that mm -hmm. it's not you doctrinal know? it's not biblical I think it just was major. There's been there's been guys we've known that I've looked at them and said, "You need to get under pastor. Mm -hmm. You don't need to travel right now. You need to go serve and submit yourself and humble yourself to a pastor and learn there, and then let God send you out." And they didn't listen. They didn't develop roots, mm -hmm. right? And it's been a mess since. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think advice to a young guy is get in that pastor <clears throat> before God ever going to let you lead. He's going to teach you to follow. Amen. And 
let God open the doors. Turn your phone off. Yeah. Out out calls. Yeah. Let it let no the outgoing. Incoming, yeah. Right. Let it be. Let incoming. the incoming calls come. And um, when you go to a church, don't go in there like you're a celebrity or mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> but you're you're a servant. You go in that place to be a servant to that preacher, to that pastor, to that church. Um, you have a two minute, a two minute answer for that. Yeah, well, no, my my advice, uh, uh, and I kind of hit it on uh, earlier. You know, my advice is just be available. Mm-hmm. We call it faithfulness, but there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things under faithfulness, right? We can be a faithful giver and this and that. My, my thing is, for my advice, whether you're young or whether you're old, just be available for God to use. When he showed up and talked to Isaiah, and he said, whom shall I send, whom will go? Here am I. Yeah, he said, here am I. He was just ready for the job, not even saying, he even said, I'm unclean. He's like, I'm not sure if I'm the best guy for the job, but I'm available. Yeah. So I've always said this, be, be the guy, be the book on the shelf that when God's ready to use, ready to read, he'll grab that book, right? So, don't, don't, so, so, and just be ready, just be available. Yeah. That has been the best thing that's helped me. Amen. So my two, an- two minute answer, the church was your answer, uh, faithful to your church, faithful to your call, mm-hmm. your availability. And I'll leave us off with be faithful to your character. Mm-hmm. Don't forget who you are. Yeah. And don't try to be someone else. Yeah. That's why God called you. Yeah, He needs you. He don't need another duplicate of that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need another Joe Arthur. Doesn't need another C.T. or Travis. He yeah. needs a Jared. Yeah, sure. Uh, so preach how God gives it to you. Yeah, preach it the way God gives it to you. Yeah, if you don't slobber, spit, and hack and sweat, you're still preaching. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to do it like everybody else. Be true to yourself. That's why God called you. He wants you. So. Yeah, I like it. I love it. The church, the call, the character. I um, I went to preacher Brown one time when I was before all the evangelism broke out. I could feel God stirring in my heart to go do something, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to go preach so bad, and I couldn't even get Becky to listen to me preach. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. terrible. And um, I went to preacher Brown's office downstairs, and I said, "Man, I it is it had affected my spirit." And I said, preacher, I need to apologize to you. He said, what for, son? I said, I have surrendered to be a missionary. I've surrendered to be a pastor. I've surrendered to be, you know, everything. I've surrendered to do anything and everything except serve the Lord and push a vacuum cleaner here at Victory. I said, I need to apologize to you for that. It's not fair to you that I'm not all in. I said, and I want you to know that I'm making a conscious decision today that if God never lets me do another thing, I will happily serve the Lord here yeah, be at all this in. place. And be, you know. And he cried, and I cried. And he said, son, you ain't got nothing to worry about with that. He said, I love you. you know, and God's going to use you in time. Just be faithful where you're at. And, and looking back, it wasn't no time after that my phone started ringing. You know? And it was like literally God was waiting for my heart to get into a place where I could faithfully serve in that place and be myself. Yep. and be available. Yep. Um, so we hope that this has been helpful to you today. Hope it's been some great content. And if we can help you, uh, info uh, or, or one thing at cttownsend.com, you can send us emails. If you have any questions or things, you topics you'd like us to talk about, 
Um, but I really appreciate Travis Kerlock uh, being here. Privilege. And any pastor that's watching this, Travis will be a blessing to you as well as Jared Dixon. We love you. Thank you, Thank you for love being you. a friend. Thank you for what you do for the cause of Christ. And We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank One thing, a podcast. God bless you. Have a great day.